and illness can become an all-consuming experience. Hi, and welcome to I Am Not My Pain podcast. I am your host, Melissa, a chronic pain sufferer for over 20 years, and I know firsthand how pain can easily take over your life and isolate you from others. But the truth is, we are so much more than our pain and illness, and we are not alone. There are millions of fellow warriors on their own journey. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast. If you are chronically ill, you may have heard some of these phrases before. Just lose weight and you'll feel better. But you don't look sick. Just be positive. This too shall pass. These phrases stem from stigmas in our society about chronic illness, which can hurt anger or sadness, even if no malintent was meant. On the flip side, there are also phrases which can encourage us and give us hope. Like, we're happy you are here, and I'm sorry you're going through this. To discuss what some phrases mean to her is my incredible guest and chronic illness warrior for today, Tracy Riggs-Franz. Tracy is a professional award-winning photographer and writer, mom, and wife. Tracy has experienced illness almost her whole life. As a child, she had reactive hypoglycemia, kidney issues, scarlet fever, and multiple ear infections. As a teen, she began to experience anxiety, panic disorder, mitral valve prolapse, and dysautonomia. And in adulthood, she began suffering with polycystic ovarian syndrome, restless leg syndrome, sleep apnea, and even more recently, she has been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, bipolar type 2, Sjogren's syndrome, type two diabetes, complex regional pain syndrome, hypermobility syndrome, major obesity, acid reflux, serotonin toxicity syndrome, osteoarthritis, PTSD, and high blood pressure. Tracy understands living with chronic illness and the stigmas which come along with them. She even created a blog called Spotlight on Stigma, which you can access sample blog posts through her website, novelphotos.com. I will include the website in the episode description. Tracy, I so appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for coming. And why don't you share more of your story and the symptoms you most, the symptoms you currently manage? Well, I would say you summed it up well, but there's no way to sum up (laughs) all of the things that I experience and deal with. Going to doctors has been a big part of my life. I have was a chronically sick child. I have had issues where I have had a hard time being diagnosed. Um, Some of the biggest issues have been that I've had anxiety and depression since I was a teenager, but only recently, and I'm now 54 years old, was diagnosed, correctly diagnosed with bipolar type 2, which is actually what those were. One that is little known is that I deal with that probably most of the other issues stem from is dysautonomia. Mm. Dysautonomia is basically where the autonomic nervous system doesn't work correctly. 
um, the autonomic nervous system is the part, it's automatic, autonomic, um, and it's the part of your body that does all of the automatic functions, um, mm -hmm. such as heart beating, your digestive system, your breathing, all of those things, you know, you don't think about unless you have this, this issue or, or a similar issues. When I said the other conditions mostly stem from the dysautonomia, I feel like especially those issues such as the restless leg syndrome, for example, because my nerve nervous system doesn't work just right. I have, we didn't mention this, but I have breathing issues. I will sometimes hold my breath just because. Now, some of that is anxiety, but other is just uh, I forget to breathe. And it doesn't happen often, but it's a very weird thing to experience. I have weird heartbeats sometimes, and I have major digest digestive issues. The complex regional pain syndrome is something I very recently found out about. My, my daughter is actually the one that told me about it. A doctor didn't bring it up, but she said that some of the things I was experiencing, I should research it. And in that situation, again, I think stemming somewhat from the dysautonomia, your nerves start firing for pain, but then they keep firing more than the actual pain should cause mm -hmm. or the actual injury or, or whatever should cause. I had a ankle injury that was not a, a big injury. I overworked it when I was exercising, ironically. And it put me out where I could barely walk for a good six to eight weeks. I was almost bedridden during that time. And I found out later, it was an ankle injury. I mean, it was a regular ankle injury, but the complex regional pain syndrome kept that pain at a high, really high level so that I couldn't do anything with it. Mm. Um, finally found out that um, steroids, which are not good for you, but they would calm it down. And I was like, I will try anything. And that helped. So not saying it would help others, not, you know, right. I'm, not, I'm definitely not a doctor, but uh, my rheumatologist did, is the one that confirmed that and um, is the one that diagnosed, um, diagnosed it and um, gave me the medicine for it. So wasn't something I just went out on my own. As far as day-to-day, -day, probably the most impactful is the bipolar. Mm. Um, I am still learning about myself with the bipolar. It's um, type two is different than type one. Everyone thinks of type one when they think of bipolar, where you have extreme mania, uh, possibly have have to be hospitalized because you can't be calmed down. But the way to think of it is mania, let's say for bipolar type one, mania is at a 10 and depression is at a three. Mm -hmm. For um, bipolar type two, your mania may be at a seven and your depression may be at a five or six. Interesting. So the depression actually gets worse, though the mania is less. Now, some people have regular mania. The mania means things like not being able to sleep. For me, my big tells that I'm manic are that I talk way too much mm. and too fast. That's one of the biggest ones. Um, not being able to sleep is another one. 
but the the talking is it's also a very strange thing in that I can recognize that I'm talking too much, but I can't stop. I cannot control it. It is, I, I you know, it's it's very, it's it's just a, a strange sensation. And and also instead of the happy happy joy joy mania that you know some may talk about, where they love it, uh, mine is more anxiety written, and that's why I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. And my anxiety can get really bad when I'm manic. It can be extreme. For the depression, the depression, like I said before, is worse. I call it when I feel like I'm swimming through molasses when I'm depressed. And it's just hard to do anything. It is, it can be hard. It can be really hard. And every single day, I don't know for sure if I'm going to wake up. I have what's called rapid cycling bipolar um, type two, which means instead of months of mania or months of depression, I may have a week of it. And so every morning, I don't know how I'm going to feel when I wake up. Combine that with I'm also very overweight and I have some mobility issues due to that and due to these other things, too. I'm, it's it's one of those things that after a long lot of years of pondering all this and researching it and all that, I often wonder if it's um, if so many say that you're overweight so that you have high blood pressure and diabetes type 2 and all this. Um, there's some people that are saying it's the opposite. You know, I, I don't exercise as much because I have the hypermobility syndrome, which basically means your joints don't stay very well. It's really easy to injure. It's really easy to turn your ankle. It's your, you know, my shoulders have issues because they sometimes pop out of joint a little bit. So that makes exercise harder, which means it's harder to lose weight. The stomach issues I have for the, the dysautonomia means it's harder to eat well. The only thing I want is something sweet because nothing else will. I mean, I feel sick about thinking of anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm literally sick, nauseated, like sick. And, and really, like you are kind of answering some of this where it was your experience and thoughts when when people do say, well, just lose weight and you'll feel better. And you're explaining a little bit of why that is so much harder than meets the eye for people. And that is something hard. Like, and that's what I tell people is when, when you do say something like that, you don't realize the person's conditions and the limitations within those conditions that causes them not to be able to just I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to be fine. And it isn't as simple as that for most people, but people think, well, you know, that's the number one thing I would fix right away. So, I mean, what with that, I mean, I know you're kind of explaining it as well, but I would love to hear, you know, your experience with that, you know, why it is difficult, like, you know, keep, keep going with that. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just thought, well, this is like, this is the question. That is fine. The losing weight problem issue experience that you, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was born in 68. A lot of doctors have become much more empathetic. A lot more research has gone into these, these issues. Mm -hmm. It's still the prevailing thought that everything is caused by 
being overweight. And when I was, and I'm also, I we didn't talk about this before, but I feel like I've got a, an eating disorder. A lot of people wouldn't think somebody overweight has an eating disorder. It was a surprise to me, but um, I actually consider it a food addiction. And from the time I was young, my, my brother wrote an essay about me when I was two. And he said she would burn the soles off her shoes if somebody was in the kitchen because she wanted to see if there was food. So eating has been an issue with me since I was very young. Looking back through my life, there were a lot of times that I wasn't that overweight. I always felt Mm -hmm. very overweight and I was always on diets Um, because of the reactive hypoglycemia, which we did. You did mention the um, I was on special diets from the time I was young. Mm -hmm. I had to eat more often. I couldn't have sweets or if I did have sweets, I had to have protein with it. Reese cups were my favorite because it's peanut butter and chocolate and Mm it helps balance each other out. It's not great, but it's better than most. So I have tried just about every diet out there. Uh, One was the grapefruit diet. I don't remember the exact thing, but I I think you had to eat grapefruit every day. I've done FinFin, the pills, they actually worked, but they're extremely bad for you. Just exercise. I've tried to exercise. I've, I've done it all, and it's always been a huge, huge battle. Again, how everything cycles together, just to throw this out there, I have realized that the bipolar, which even though I haven't ha- technically had it all my life, I think there were signs of it when I was young, because there were times that I would be energetic and could exercise and could, you know, eat right. But then when I was depressed, Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was the exact opposite. It was hard to do anything. It was definitely hard to eat right. I crave sweets much more when I'm depressed. But as far as experiences with it, that's a little the background of what I was dealing with. The, The biggest thing that I remember, like I mentioned before with doctors, I remember more than once, but especially one time, I went to the doctor for an ear infection. It was, it was not my regular doctor. I think my regular doctor was, the office was closed or something. So, or I was trying a new doctor. I don't remember exactly that, but I went in for an ear infection. I knew I had an ear infection. I have had multiple ear infections through my life. I know what they feel like. I know the symptoms. And basically I went in and said, I know I have this. You don't have to diagnose me. You don't have to do much of anything except confirm it and give me antibiotics. I, I, that's what I need. Yeah. He looked at me and he said, we need to talk about the fact that you need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is not why I'm here. And another thing that gets to me about that is if in this society, there is no way that somebody overweight doesn't realize they're overweight and has tried to fix it. I mean, I cannot believe there's one person out there that's overweight that hasn't tried some kind of diet, some kind of exercise plan, something. So I, I'd never have gotten when a doctor says, you know, we need to talk about you losing weight when I've already been working on it. You know, it's, it, it's, it just, boggles the mind to me. (laughs) I don't get that. There's so much more that they could do with their time. Like I said, that has changed somewhat. I have doctors that 
don't address it. The first doctor that I had that just changed everything for me in that respect was a time when I was severely de depressed. Um, I was almost suicidal. And this doctor looked at me and he, he, he had mentioned losing weight. And I was like, I can't. There's no way I can focus on a diet right now. I'm just barely getting through each day. And he, he looked at me and he said, losing weight is important, but right now you're really healthy. Suicide will kill you. You know, the depression will kill you much faster, mm -hmm. much more likely to kill you than anything having to do with your weight. We need to concentrate on that. And it's the first time somebody saw me, didn't just see my weight. They saw me and mm -hmm. what I was dealing with and what I needed to work on. And, and it changed, it changed so much, but the, the stigma is still out there. You know, it's yeah. still out there with doctors. My daughter went to a doctor, a psychiatrist recently, and the psychiatrist refused to treat her until she, lose, she lost weight. My daughter came out crying and I was, I was, oh, I was bad. I was so yes. bad. Um, but the. You know, I still hear that from other people, too. Mm -hmm. And it's it's easier now. I had to get a lot of strength and a lot of courage to be able to talk to doctors and say, no, that's not why I'm, I'm here mm -hmm. to stand up for myself. Um, but with random people that mention it, it's a lot it's a lot harder and it hits a lot deeper when they say it. it does. But what I would love to say to them is you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what a struggle this is for me. And you don't know that I'm actively working on it. I am diabetic type two and through diet and, and medicine, but the medicine didn't really change in this time. So it was diet and more exercise. I was able to get my A1C down in a whole point to where now I'm just on the borderline of of being classified diabetic. Mm -hmm. I have not lost a pound. Wow. I have changed so much and I've not lost anything. So it's, it's not a, if you do a, then B will result kind of situation. Um, I'm hoping that I might eventually lose weight. If I keep this up, I'm not expecting it. Right. And I'm learning to deal with the fact that I am overweight and that's the way it is. So it's one thing to accept that in yourself. It's another, when you have to deal with outside influences like that, like it's hard enough to just accept or not accept, but like, just to say, okay, this is what my body looks like. I mean, I have, my weight has fluctuated all my life. I probably not until probably like middle school did I start becoming like not even like that overweight, but slightly overweight. And it fluctuated quite a bit. And then I became extremely overweight at one point and then lost it uh, drastically, which I wouldn't recommend, but I had a swallowing issue and I couldn't eat. So I literally would just, I couldn't eat anything. And so I lost all the weight very quickly. But it is so hard. Like I went to doctors and would get the, well, just lose weight and you'll feel better. And I was like, but that has nothing to do with the condition I'm here for a and um, B. I was like, it, 
what? Like I just, every, I, it was just so mind blowing that they, they always seem to have to tack that in there. And I was like, really, it's like a knife in the, you're like in the side. You're like, I didn't need that too. Like I'm already frustrated. I'm already scared. Uh, I may have to have another neurosurgery and you are telling me I need to lose weight for no other reason, just then other than just to say it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I don't understand, like you said, I mean, we know what size our body is and things, but it is harder when friends and family do it. And especially when you have certain people that never had a weight issue in their life and they're just like, just do it. And you're like, but you, the struggle of somebody who has dealt with weight issues, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's so much bigger than, than just, oh, I just eat and you know, this, but then when you have conditions on top of it, it just makes it very, very difficult. It's one thing when a medical professional does it, but when it's just somebody you met and they offer that suggestion, I just, the anger and then shame that came with it afterwards. Like I was angry. Cause I was like, are you kidding? Like, you don't think I've tried, you don't think I've done this, but then the shame that came with it too. Like, why can't I do this? Oh, it's all, you know, and then it just would bury it and make everything worse. So I I know that it's tempting, but it's something that you really, until you walk in that person's shoes, you don't know. And you really don't know all the conditions that they have to deal with and how their body responds to it. And with you, I mean, you have to be extremely cautious of how and what you eat because of it. And you're, you know, there's only so many things that taste good. There's, I mean, there's so much to it that people don't get. And it's the same when people offer treatments and other suggestions, which look, I I get that you want to do, and I'm not saying not to, but there's a way to approach it. And you really got to feel out that person and where they are. And also understand that, you know, we have doctors, but I think people that don't have chronic illness don't realize, you know, they've had acute pain. Maybe they've had a surgery and they had to get over it. But when you have a chronic condition, it's just very different. And, you know, certain things just don't, the basics sometimes just don't work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, also it's, it's much more tricky to do it and because you're exhausted and you don't feel good. And then you're having to think about, well, okay, now I got to diet and dieting's hard. I mean, just trying to focus on all those, you know, nuances when you're that exhausted or depressed or whatever, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not as easy as just snapping your fingers and willing it into being as what people think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you just have to mind over matter and push, push, push. Well, you brought up a couple of points that I didn't mention when I was talking about it before, but when you said that about having the swallowing issues and you lost weight, my boyfriend at the time, soon to be husband is uh, a few years ago, he was diagnosed with Stills disease, mm-hmm. which is similar to rheumatoid arthritis. It's an adult onset, kind of like rheumatoid arthritis. He was in and out of the hospital for three months or so. He didn't eat hardly anything during that time. And he lost, I can't remember the exact number. I know it was over 30 pounds. 45 is coming to me. And he wasn't a big guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. So he was gaunt looking by the time he finally got out of the hospital well we one of the first times we went out um he ran into a friend of his and he was like you look so good and I just wanted to scream I was like do you have any idea what he's been through Mm -hmm. so even complimenting somebody I'm not saying you can't do it but 
it can be just as harmful. Um, my uh, daughter's fiance has an eating disorder where she doesn't eat. Mm. And she has at times been really, really skinny. And everybody's like, you look so good. Well, that just reinforces yes. the eating the unhealthy disorder. behavior. The unhealthy behavior. Exactly. And so it's just, it's so complex that I'm not saying you can't come along somebody and try to help, but you just need to be careful about what you say um, because it can really, it can change a lot of things. And uh, one more thing about that. Um, my now ex-husband, when we were married, I had, it was one of the times I had lost a lot of weight. I was, was successful in losing weight. It was the time I was taking FinFin. So it was not, not a good way to lose weight. And it definitely, when I stopped taking it, it came back, but I was doing well with it. I was exercising more and doing other healthy things along with it. Um, my husband at the time, I was, I was like, you know, what do you think? Um, you know, I, I think I put on some pants I hadn't been aware in years or, or was a new size, you know, something. And he was like, that's great. If you could just lose a little bit more then that would be so wonderful. Mm -hmm. I didn't show it to him, but I lost it. And I said, at that moment, I remember thinking, I will never be able to do, I will never be able to be perfect in this. I will never be able to, to fulfill anybody's expectation. I give up. And yeah. at that point, I said, it's not worth it. I'm not going to do anymore. And over the years, I would gain just a little bit each year. Mm -hmm. No, not enough to be like, oh, you really need to stop doing what you're doing. But over time, you know, it made a huge difference and mentally yeah. extreme difference. Extreme. And the thing is, the comments sit with you. They, you know, you could say a comment and I can remember that comment to this day, 20 years later. You know, I can remember mm -hmm. when the doctor said it to me, I had a spinal tap once. And as I was getting into the spinal tap position, the doctor's like, well, you're a little heavy. You need to lose weight. I'm like, really? This is the time we're discussing it before I have a spinal tap and you're about to shove a needle in my back. But I remember that clear as day. And I remember when other people had made those comments, it really does absorb in how can it not. And it does it with or without the chronic illness. But what the chronic illness does is it adds a different layer to it because it makes it more complicated than just black and white. And it really isn't ever black and white. And that's what I think some people don't get is that, you know, you either choose to do it or you don't. It's like, no, there's gray. There's a lot of gray mm -hmm. and, you know, losing weight also has a lot of emotional things in there as well. I mean, I ate when I'm stressed and of course being chronically sick and in pain, I was stressed. Mm -hmm. So I ate, but I, it's true. Like even when I was drastically losing the weight and I couldn't swallow and I was not eating people are like, you look amazing. And I was just like, really? Like, I can't even, I can't swallow anything. It's driving me nuts. And even the doctors, even doctors, medical professionals, when I lost it, even horribly fast, I lost so much weight in like three months and they were just so ecstatic that I lost weight. They don't care how, I mean, some doctors obviously are not, I'm not saying every doctor I went to is that way. There was just particular doctors that mm -hmm. were very keen on it, but those things sit with you so much. Even if you think you're just saying it in passing, it affects. It really does, especially if you're not in a good mental space to begin with. And then that enters in and you just, it just sits there and it's always there for the rest of our lives. I mean, words have power. But the, the flip side too, is that 
sometimes you remember those times people didn't say something mm -hmm. or showed empathy. I just the other day had an MRI mm -hmm. and I am claustrophobic along with the anxiety. Um, there are also some phobias that I have that we didn't really talk about, but one of them is claustrophobia. So I needed the MRI. They did it. What's called an open MRI. Mm -hmm. However, the way it's made, it's um, not set up for people, for large people. And I saw it and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to do this. And the tech was so kind and understanding. First, he told me beforehand, you know, this is not going to be easy, but we're going to be able to do it. And then throughout the test, he was like, I've had people bigger than you in here. We've always been OK. You will be OK. And just that whole thing of it's OK who you are. We can overcome this together. Mm -hmm. And he was so kind. Um, another time I was in the pool and I was normally going to a pool where you have steps to go in. That one was closed. And they said, why don't you get into this other pool? You have to use a ladder. And I was kind of nervous about the ladder because I hadn't tried to come up a ladder in a long time from a pool. And But I said, OK, I'm just going to do it and hope. Well, when I got I was ready to get out, I could not get up that ladder. And it was so, it was incredibly embarrassing and incredibly, you know, shameful. But um, this was at the Y and there were two kids, teenagers, that came over and were like, Can, do you need help? And I really, I told them, I said, I think it's just because my hands are sliding. I needed to pull more than push with my legs. Mm -hmm. And I said, my hands are sliding. I said, if, if we could dry this off, I think I could do it. And they ran to get towels. And they came in and they said, and they were like, if you need help in other ways, let me know, let us know. And I, they dried it off and I was able to get up without a problem. But I walked away from that just feeling so affirmed, you know, that there were people out there that do care. Mm -hmm. There are people out there that were willing to go the extra mile and to not make fun and not, you know, judge or anything. judge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To not judge and, you know. They were just like, well, she needs help. We'll help her. So in those two events, I know I will be also in my mind for the rest of my life. So, yep, you're right. There is that flip side to it as well. And, you know, to kind of go into a little bit of this, because even the pool story kind of brought it up. You know, what about when others say the phrase, you can do anything to you? Oh, Oh, I love that phrase. And I'm being very sarcastic when I say that. Because <laughs> I get that too. Yeah. When I was young, even before I started really dealing with this or, well, I was already dealing with these issues, but I didn't put the, didn't ponder them like I do now with more of the issues. Right. I remember thinking people that said you can do anything. And I was like, okay, how, saying you can do anything. Can you be an actress? Um, when you're middle-aged, can you be a child actress? No. <laughs> I mean, no. If you get nauseated in a car, can you be a fighter pilot? No. <laughs> there are so many instances of physical, mental, emotional limitations. Um, I used to be a special ed teacher, and I had a student with Down syndrome. And 
I know that there were people that limited him because he had Down syndrome. I worked with him and I was like, yes, he will. He will never be a physicist. He will never be a rocket scientist, but he can do so much more than he's doing uh, or than than you think he can do. But. Again, just so many examples of you can do anything. I of, of it not being true. In my own experience, I am a photographer and a writer. And both because of my age and my weight and my issues. I mean, it's it's a combination of all everything. Mm -hmm. There is no way I can do the kinds of things I used to do. I remember in a, as a young photographer in my 20s shooting a parade and jumping up on the back of a truck to to get a better angle. I remember shooting a football game one time and I needed to get a wide shot and I ran up the stadium stairs. I mean, now I can I have an issue just hardly making it up the stairs. So I can't do anything. I can do the best I can in the circumstances. I can adapt things. For example, that wide shot, you know, from the stairs, I would get a different type of lens so that I could do as much as I could without having to run up that far. Mm -hmm. I have a real bad, really bad heat intolerance. And I try not to do outdoor shoots. Um, if I do, I know I have to bring cold water or, you know, some kind of cold packs or something. Um, just when people say you can do anything and you know you can't, it's the same kind of thing as just lose weight and you'll feel better. You mm -hmm. know why you can't. You may not, but you don't want to get there. You don't want to have to sit and explain to them. Well, mm -hmm. no, I can't. I can't do anything. I can't do even do this. Well, then it seems like you're negative that you just you don't have a positive mental attitude on everything. If you that don't is, say, yes, I can do it. And even though, you know, physically, that's just not something you can do. But, you know, you may be able to modify and you may be able to do pieces of it. But, you know, you may not be able to do all of it. But, yes, if you if you make a comment back and try to explain, sometimes I would get the looks of like, mm, She's just not being positive. She needs to have that go-getter attitude. And She's making like, excuses. And making excuses, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just sometimes we have to know our limitations a little. And because we have to, we have to deal with the repercussions afterwards. Mm -hmm. So if we do push too hard or we do do things we shouldn't be doing, yes, it is. It does. It, it's a very similar to, you know, just lose weight for sure. Because it does carry with it a lot of shame when you can't do everything. And it takes a while as a chronically ill person to accept, you know, where you are and kind of, and, and part of the reason is those comments, you know, cause you, you want to say, Oh no, I, I can do it. I, I, and when you, I think when you finally do say, okay, I I'm just not able to sit with, I'm not able to sit without a head support for too long. And I know that, or I'm not able to do this, but I can do this instead. And you kind of work through that, but it's just, it's that initial where you realize, you know, oh, maybe I can't. And then you feel bad that you think that, and it's just a constant cycle that mm -hmm. not helpful, but it's something that continues in our society all the time. Mm -hmm. It's basically um, similar for, for those that don't deal with chronic illness to the pressure to explain yourself when you say no. Mm -hmm. 
um, no, I can't help with, I can't volunteer for this thing. You know, you want to explain it, then that sounds like an excuse. And, you know, it's, it's very similar. I think it uh, affects, I hate to say that because I don't know what they, they're feeling, yes. but I, it, I think it's more long reaching, um, long lasting with somebody chronically ill because we hear it so much, that kind of thing and have to respond so much um, or not respond so much. That's that internal debate. Of what, what do you do? Yeah. Thicker skin, you know, took me a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things would affect me very early on that don't affect me as much now. And, but it's still, I mean, it still absorbs a sum. It's not like I can completely just brush off the comment, but I'm able to handle it a lot better because before I would just internalize that and just beat myself to a pulp with it. Mm-hmm. It is hard not to do that because of course we want to do everything. It's not that our wants aren't there. I mean, we would like to be able to do all the things that a healthy person can do, but we just can't. And there's just limitations there and that's okay. And if we have to modify things to do them, it's okay. But it's hard to get to that place where you can say that and not, and really mean it and Mm -hmm. be like, okay, with the fact that you can't do things, everybody else can. So this one is, it really touches home for me. And I, I got a lot of these, uh, as, especially in the beginning of my condition, when I started to get sick, they've eased up a little now, but what are your thoughts on the phrase, you know, this too shall pass or other really religious phrases that people use to, to honestly try to uplift you and give you peace. I mean, they don't mean, you know, in most of these comments, like I said, I mean, there's no malintent behind it. I don't think people honestly really mean it in a mean spirited way. They think they're helping, but you know, what is that? What is your experience with that phrase or other phrases similar? Yeah. Similar phrases. Um, I don't know that I've heard that one that much, but I've definitely heard similar phrases like you need to pray more. Mm. If you just would memorize these scripture verses and apply them to your life, um, you need to go to church more. You need to, you need to, you should. Sadly, this is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to hear the rest of Tracy Rigg Front's interview, please tune in next week where she continues to share how certain religious phrases affect her, as well as what phrases have the greatest benefit for her mental health. You won't want to miss. To learn more about Tracy, including her writing or photography, you can visit her website at www.novelnovelphotos.com. Or if you want to access her Spotlight on Stigma link, you can go to her website and click on the Spotlight on Stigma header. Thank you so much to Tracy for being on the show, and a big thank you to all my listeners. Without you, there would be no show, so thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are not alone, and you are not your pain. Like the show? Please subscribe and leave a review. Or do you want to be a guest? Simply email notmypain at heroescircle.org. Again, that is notmypain at heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, circle.org. Your story matters, and we look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. 
Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.